Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Robo Hair. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which we play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, we will be discussing Friday the 13th. Whoa. What cool accessory came included with this game? If you don't know the answer to that, I will be telling you later in this episode. Before we get started with this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy headlines. As always, there are lots of cool things going on right now in the Commodore 64 world. The first is a release, a new release, of the Game Base 64 Reorganizer, version 4, quickly followed by version 4.0.1.1. That's a lot of points. Was released this week by Obliterator918. You can find this uh, very handy tool at obliterator918.com. The GB64 Reorganizer does just what it says. If you have a uh, one of the many devices that uses SD cards to load Commodore 64 games onto real Commodore 64s, uh, what this tool does is take the Game Base 64 collection and uh, unzips it into a much easier uh, readable directories. It sorts it. It... Uh, extracts the info files if you have a uh, ultimate uh, like a 1541 ultimate 2 or newer or even if you have the original uh, obliterator has a uh, a bios that he has created that's also available for download on his website uh, a hacked version that will let you read the info files but you can view the info files it's just very very handy it it um if you're not familiar with the game base 64 collection it is uh uh well over, oh gosh, I want to say, what, 10,000, 15,000 titles, something like that. And trying to put all those on uh, a single SD card is pretty difficult to manage without a tool like this. So uh, if you have one of those, I highly recommend going to obliterator918.com. As always, the links to all of these tools will be uh, in the show notes. You can find those over at spritecastle.com. But thanks for uh, releasing an updated version of that tool. Very handy. Uh, also released was Commodore Free issue 88 that just came out. I have not had a chance to read it. I just saw the headline for that this morning, so I will definitely be checking that out. Uh, they offer, you can read it on the web, in text, PDF. Uh, I believe you can download a version that will run right on your Commodore 64. So, uh, But uh, all these magazines that are free, I know uh, Reset is uh, working on a new issue right now. I love the fact that people are still writing and, and contributing and putting out uh, – free magazines that are Commodore related. So Commodore free version uh, or issue 88. Go check that out. A new cartridge has been announced. It is a Wi-Fi cartridge being worked on by schema. Uh, this will add, uh, basically it simulates a 2400 baud modem. It says it supports all RS-232 signals, uh, but it does it over Wi-Fi. So there haven't been a whole lot of details yet. There's a thread on Lemon64 where Schema is discussing uh, the cartridge. One thing I picked up is that it will connect to the user port, not the cartridge port. And uh, so I know the user port, I believe, is slower, but it should be plenty fast enough for 2400 baud. Um... Schema referred to it as the Cadillac of cards and says that uh, uh, cards that he sells may run up to $200 um, and that they will use – that this cartridge will use um, the actual terminal program. So it's not something that you would use through like the RRnet or uh, the Flyer or something like that that uses Ethernet. You'd actually use Commodore terminal programs. Uh, to use this. So I'm looking forward to do that. I don't know that I'm in for 200, but uh, uh, for people that still, you know, use modems and and still regularly connect uh, on their C64 and have it somewhere that it's far enough away where it's not convenient to run uh, to your uh, uh, internet, to your switch, your hub, your router, whatever you're using, uh, this this might be uh, for you. Nostalgia, the people that brought us Commando Arcade SE, 
released a Ghosts and Goblins arcade version. Uh, according to the news blurb, uh, two new levels have been added, and the existing levels were expanded to be twice the size of the original. The game features new graphics, music, sound effects, and a sprite multiplexer along with a new game map. Uh, oh, it also says improved weapons and enemies and much more. There's also been a Easy Flash image uh, released as a double pack that has Ghosts and Goblins Arcade and Commando Arcade SE uh, for one single image. So if you are a fan of Ghosts and Goblins, I wouldn't know if the levels have been expanded because I don't think I've ever made it through a level. <laughs> that game is so, so hard. Um, but uh, I did take a look at this and uh, the graphics and the music, everything is really uh, like all the other uh, nostalgia releases. And, and we covered uh, Donkey Kong Jr., on an earlier show as well, and we've talked about Commando Arcade SE. So, um, Ghosts of Goblins, uh, maybe maybe we'll talk about that on a future episode. Who knows? But uh, go snag a copy of that Ghosts and Goblins Arcade version from Nostalgia. Uh, there was also I was looking through the new releases. Uh, someone has released a version of Scramble, a new version of Scramble for 2015. It is version 1.4, and I did check that out. Uh, as some of you know, that follow my arcade podcasts. I've owned two different scramble cabinets throughout the years, and I've really grown to hate that game. <laughs> so, uh, but this version looks really good. So, uh, if you're a, uh, a fan of scramble and you want to check out this new version, go, go grab that. And speaking of new software, uh, Hackersoft, uh, through Commodore is awesome, released a new hack, called China Miner. Well, it was a hack of the game China Miner, which that game is ridiculously hard. Uh, but the new version released uh, from Vinny, Hackersoft has 26 hacks added to this. So um, if you liked uh, China Miner, but were like me and never were able to beat the first level, then go check out the new hacked version of China Miner from Hackersoft and Commodore is awesome. And now for this episode's King of the Castle. This episode's King of the Castle is once again, Paul Ramos. Who correctly identified uh, episode 12's song as Hey Joe from Jimi Hendrix. The episode was Commando, but if you remember in the trivia, I mentioned that the soldier's name in Commando is Super Joe. So I was trying to be tricky there, but it sure didn't uh, fool Paul. I have even started releasing the episodes at different times. I'm varying the time. Sometimes they're in the morning, sometimes they're in the afternoon to give more people a chance. But uh, you're going to have to be quick. But you will not have to compete with Paul Ramos anymore because after successfully becoming the king of the castle three episodes, Paul is now retired from the competition, and he has been entered into the honorary King of the Castle uh, Royalty Hall of Fame. So congratulations, Paul, the first person to reach uh, the Royalty Hall of Fame on Sprite Castle. I'm, I'm sure that you are as honored. Uh, really, it, it's a gift for me <laughs> to bestow this honor on you. Uh, so I'm sure you are touched by it. <laughs> And that's all I have to say about that. If you would like to be the next episode's King of the Castle, all you need to do is correctly identify the secret 8-bit song played during the show's closing credits. The song will not be from the game discussed in the episode, but will relate to the episode's theme or title in some way. For example, uh, Hey Joe and Super Joe from Commando. Once you have identified the secret song, the first person to send the song title to me, either through Facebook, Twitter, email, or the show's voice mailbox, will be the next king of the castle. All those contacts will be listed in the show's closing credits. Those are this week's headlines, brought to you by local paperboy who just got bitten by the neighbor's dog. All right. Boy, what a headache. Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. So this is kind of a weird talking snack. Uh, this week I had some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I had a little baggie, a sandwich baggie full of cheese puffs. And I had a can of Dr. Pepper. You might be wondering what those things have to do uh, with Friday the 13th. 
Well, they have two things to do with Friday the 13th. First of all, this game features several different songs, and one of the songs it features is the Teddy Bear's Picnic. And so I thought uh, all these things would uh, be something that I might eat during a picnic. Second of all, I was on vacation last week. I went down to Fort Worth, Texas, and I did a bunch of thrifting. And while I was there, I picked up a bunch of uh, vintage lunch boxes. I have a growing vintage lunchbox collection. I have about 20 right now. I'm trying to only pick up metal ones, and I'm only trying to pick up the ones that I really enjoy. So I have uh, several Star Wars uh, lunch boxes. I have uh, photon. I have uh, all different kinds. Um, but uh, uh, so I picked up some more lunch boxes. I actually last week got a Knight Rider lunch box and a uh, a Muppet Babies one, which is uh, sounds kind of weird. But uh, I always liked the Muppet Babies cartoon uh, when I was a kid. So anyway, so I put all my I put my peanut butter jelly sandwiches and my cheese puffs and my can of Dr Pepper. I put them all in one of my new lunch boxes. And uh, the other day, yesterday actually, I went out. And uh, I live pretty close to a airport and I drove over uh, and you can park right at the end of the runway. And I just parked out there and had my little uh, uh, lunch picnic by myself. The other fun thing about this for me is, uh, and I'm going to talk more about this during the show's memories later on when we get to that. But uh, I, I used to play this game Friday the 13th a lot with my buddy Jeff. And uh, when we were kids, I would go to his house and we would play this. And uh, I started spending the night at Jeff's house. And then very quickly, that turned into spending the weekend at Jeff's house. So my parents would drop me off on Friday and his parents would bring me home on Sunday. So we would stay Friday night and Saturday night just playing uh, Commodore 64 games and stuff. And so whenever uh, we would do that, his mom would make us sandwiches. And she always bought a a big giant bag of those cheese puffs, which is exactly uh, what I put in my uh, lunchbox yesterday and she would also buy each of us our own three liter of dr pepper so we would uh just sit in jeff's room eating cheese puffs and and drinking dr pepper all weekend um and uh playing commodore 64 games so even though it doesn't really uh have that much to do with that the game that i played this week it really has to do with a lot of the memories i have of this game so and speaking of that let's get on to this week's game this week's game is Friday the 13th, which was published for the Commodore 64 in 1986 by Domark Limited. It is a game for one player that uses joystick controls. Now, this game is unrelated uh, to the Nintendo or the NES Friday the 13th game, although there were some other ports of this game I'll be talking about. Domark was founded in 1984 by Dominic Wheatley, so maybe it's Domark, uh, and Mark Strachan. Strachan? Uh, they met, they worked together at an advertising agency, and so they decided to put together their own software company, and uh, they weren't programmers, but they approached it from a marketing angle. Uh, so that was how Domark got its start. They were eventually purchased by Eidos in 1995, and the name Domark was retired in 1996. The first game, uh, according to Moby Games, the first game uh, under the Domark title was Eureka in 1984. They released, uh, they did a lot of computer and console ports of arcade games and a lot from Atari. So I'm not sure if they had an official license from Atari or not to port those, but uh, they released Trivial Pursuit. The fifth game they released was Friday the 13th. Uh, they released all three Star Wars games, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi in 87 and 88. They released ports of Tubin, Vindicators, uh, Hard Driving. They released the port of Prince of Persia for the Amiga, Game Gear, Genesis, and SMS. They were responsible for the port of Stunrunner and Pac-Mania and Rampart. So they just did a lot of great uh, home versions of arcade games.
So the context of this release, well, obviously, Friday the 13th was a popular horror movie series. Part one was released in 1980. Part two was in 1981. Part three, the 3D one, I love that one, is in 1982. And the fourth film in the series, which was called Friday the 13th, The Final Chapter, was released in 1984. And the cover of this game, uh, or the title screen of this game, uh, is the same as the front cover of uh, Friday the 13th for The Final Chapter, which, uh, by the way, is not the final chapter. <laughs> That's false advertising. I could not find a Commodore 64 version of the manual, but um, it looks like on the cassette version and uh, even on maybe the uh, uh, Amstrad disc version, which is what this manual came from, uh, that the manual was printed directly on, like on the inside cover. Uh, so first of all, uh, you have this information on the box itself. On the back, it says, Friday the 13th, the computer game, the one you've been screaming for. And then there are a couple of screenshots here. Read this first. Before playing this game, make sure that you, number one, close and lock all doors, windows, and curtains. Number two, turn off all lights. Use a candle if necessary. Number three, make sure Granny isn't in the room. And number four, set the computer volume at maximum. Then load and play this game. You will be surprised. I bet you would be surprised if you put your volume on maximum. Gameplay. Jason is hiding in the forest waiting to avenge his mother's death when a party of teenagers visit the eerie Crystal Lake holiday camp close to the killer's filthy grotto. A filthy grotto. <laughs> Jason puts on his hockey mask and sharpens his machete, ready for a razor-edged massacre. You must warn everyone that the mad murder is on the rampage and lead them all to safety without, of course, losing your head. And then it says sound effects competition. There are five Eureka color monitors suitable for most home computers to be won in our unique sound effects competition. You simply identify 10 of the noises you heard while on holiday at Crystal Lake. Entry form enclosed. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, then it says which one on the inside. It says which one of your friends will survive. And there are pictures of... Uh, 10 people here. These are all obviously not kids or teenagers. Um, they are, <laughs> they look like headshots of people, uh, either at the company or maybe like, uh, their, their high school photos or something. It's very weird, but it has all 10 of the kids names, the camp, uh, kids that we'll be talking about. And, uh, it has little, like two sentences about each one. Like here's Stuart Palmer. And it says, Stu trained for the Marines, but didn't make it. He still maintains a fitness regimen, jogging, swimming, and weightlifting, but is a liability in stressful situations. Well, none of these things have anything to do <laughs> with anything of the game. Here's Daryl Peters, called Dip by his friends. Daryl doesn't take life seriously and just wants a laugh. Well, that's cute, Daryl. So now we get into the actual instructions that are included in the game. Uh, Friday the 13th, the computer game, it says in the Friday the 13th official TM trademarked logo, which is marked right up there. Uh, introduction, the background, a quiet holiday camp at Crystal Lake is disturbed when one of the campers, Jason, is drowned. His mother, distraught with grief, blames the other campers who did nothing to help him. She vows revenge and murders all the holiday makers except one girl who kills her. <laughs> The survivor floats into the middle of the lake where Jason rises from the water to take his revenge. So that's basically a summary of Friday the 13th Part 1, the original movie. And it says, The game, Jason is still wreaking havoc throughout Crystal Lake when you arrive for a holiday. Well, why would you go there? Your task is to find a safe sanctuary where Jason cannot go and then persuade your friends to gather there. The problem, you have to identify Jason. He is a normal player moving around the game until he attacks or is attacked. You are warned about each attack and have a chance to find him, but Jason waits for no man. Okay, then it has loading instructions, which tells you how to load the game. And now we have getting started. There's a lot of stuff here, but this is all going to be important. I'm going to skim some of this. Um, once the game is loaded, listen very carefully. The computer will display your identity automatically. And then it says, let's say Daryl Peters. And you play Daryl for the first level. Each character will have preset levels of strength, panic, and sanity, which are shown on the bottom left-hand corner of the screen. 
The stronger Daryl becomes, the higher the weight bar rises. The more he panics, the more his hair stands on end. And as he cracks up completely, Jason's mask begins to fill in. It doesn't really explain what all those meters do, but I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, then it says detailed instructions. Now, number one, it says uh, Jason. Jason. Well, first of all, it says, I'm sorry, let me backtrack here. Detailed instructions. Let's presume that the computer gives you Daryl Peters as your first character. Daryl will find himself initially inside either the church, the barn, or the house. Jason always attacks the person with the highest panic rating, and so he will chase after Daryl sooner or later. Jason reveals his true identity only when Daryl confronts him, but he kills others on and off the screen. The first level ends when Daryl kills Jason, and the computer will then select a different character for you to play on level two. Well, that's not actually true. It could also end if you get killed, or it could end when uh, Jason kills all the other campers. Number two, combat. As Jason stalks around Crystal Lake, he is inclined to be careless and leave some of his weapons lying around. That's true. There are weapons everywhere. There are 10 weapons, any of which Daryl can pick up by pressing the fire button and then use to defend himself against Jason's attack. Daryl can only carry one weapon at a time, and the chosen weapon is shown in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. As Jason disposes of Daryl's friends, their picture will turn to a gravestone on the screen. Now we get to the part about the Sanctuary Cross. Daryl should first find the room with the Sanctuary Cross. By pressing the fire button, this cross can be picked up or dropped anywhere in the church, house, or barn, and this becomes the Sanctuary Location. Jason cannot harm anybody in this location, so Daryl must find his friends and tell them to gather there. He does this by walking over them, whereupon they, <laughs> that's weird, whereupon they immediately head for the sanctuary location. Hey, go over here. I'm walking over you, dummy. Uh, although they are protected against Jason, they do get bored and adventurous. They are, after all, on holiday, and so they wander outside for more sunbathing. It is easy to mistake Jason for a friend and inform him of the sanctuary location. He will scare everyone away, so you have to return and move the cross to another room. We're going to talk all about this. Gosh, this is going on pretty long. Uh, scoring. There are five levels. Okay, nobody cares. Uh, you get points. You lose print. It says you lose points for failing to tell your friends the whereabouts of the sanctuary. Um... If Daryl kills Jason, then Jason takes on his characteristics in the next level, and the computer selects another hero for you to play. That's absolutely not true. <laughs> That's not how this game works. Music, sounds, and surprises. Friday is the word here. Friday the 13th, the computer game has snatches of music familiar to everyone. Try to name them all. Well, I'll name them all here for you in just a minute. And then it says number six, blood capsules. The two blood capsules included free in this package are non-toxic and contain red sugar, which forms simulated blood when placed in the mouth. It should not stain clothing, but Domark cannot accept responsibility for any individual customer's action. <laughs> That's great. So that is uh, the secret uh, answer to the trivia game is that this game actually did come with blood capsules. They had red sugar inside. Um, I have never actually seen those in person. I've looked on eBay. I've looked, I've really tried to purchase, uh, an original copy of this with the blood capsules. And I don't even know what condition they would be in, uh, at this point, uh, 20, oh gosh, 30 years after, after it was released. So I don't even know if they'd be any good anymore, but, but there you go. The game did come with blood capsules. Well, that is enough of this stinking long manual. Uh, when you boot the game, it comes up with a title screen. You see the words Friday the 13th, again, in the uh, Friday the 13th logo. Uh, you see the the same graphic that appeared on the front of the fourth Friday the 13th movie, The Final Chapter, which is a hockey mask laying in a pool of blood with a knife stuck in the eye hole. Uh, and then down at the bottom, you see the Domark logo, and you're treated to your first digitized scream. This game does uh, try to scare you with these digitized screams, and, and uh, we'll talk about sometimes when uh, those pop up. Once you get past the title screen, you get to, I guess, what you would call the uh, first menu screen, which shows the five characters that you will be playing as. They are Jerry King, Wendy Watson, Amanda Baxter, Brian Bone, and Stuart Palmer. They Each one also gives you a, a brief scenario, like a, a line or two, as to why you're there like why you were sent to the camp or whatever. None of this matters. All the people play 
basically identical. They do have slightly different stats, but they're so slightly different that you will not notice at all. It makes no difference which person you play as. And as you beat each level, you just move to the next person and you will randomly go through all the people uh, and just keep getting the same five people over and over. The controls of this game, uh, like I mentioned, you use a joystick, just uh, move in the eight directions, and whichever person you are will move in the corresponding direction. The fire button when you are standing still will drop whatever weapon you have or pick up a weapon. Uh, when you are moving, you will attack with whatever weapon you're holding. If you are not carrying a weapon, then the fire button doesn't do anything when you're moving. Uh, you can only attack to the left and to the right, but when you're moving up and down, you also attack to the right. So um, if you are running up <laughs> uh, and next to somebody you want to attack, you want to make sure you're on the left-hand side, and as you press the button, you will attack to the right. So let's talk about the gameplay of Friday the 13th. The goal of each level is to kill Jason, and that's how you beat the level and move to the next level. You have to do this before time runs out and before all 10 campers are killed. And as it mentioned, the status of the 10 campers are shown on the bottom of the screen. There's little tiny uh, icons of each of the campers. And when they get killed, their icon disappears and they are replaced with a little tombstone. It's kind of sad. Um, so Jason is wandering around Camp Crystal Lake and he disguises himself as one of the 10 campers. Sometimes he's not in disguise. Um, when Jason's not in disguise, he's wearing, he's barefoot. He's wearing black pants. He's wearing a black sleeveless shirt, uh, like a midriff shirt. So you can see a little bit of his belly and you can see his arms. Uh, and then he has a normal head with black hair. <laughs> so he's really just orange and black. Um, he does not have a hockey mask. He doesn't have uh, his jumpsuit or overalls um, or shoes. <laughs> so that's what uh, Jason looks like uh, in this movie or in this uh, in the game based on the movie. Um, but when he uh, disguises himself as one of the, the people, he looks exactly like the people. So, for example, sometimes he disguises himself as an eight-year-old girl. So I want you to imagine <laughs> the undead Jason wandering around somehow disguised as an eight-year-old girl. And uh, it must be a great disguise because uh, you're not uh, – you don't recognize him. The map is a four-by-six grid of Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, if you've seen any of the Friday the 13th movies, two things that you know are at Camp Crystal Lake are cabins for the counselors and a lake. But somehow neither of those things appear in this game. <laughs> so there are no cabins and there's no Crystal Lake in a game that takes place at Crystal Lake. Um, so this four by six grid is of the campgrounds. There's an archery area. There's a forest. There's a, a, a cemetery. Uh, why, now, right off the bat. This is uh, has nothing to do with the podcast. This is just advice for me to you. Don't send your kids to a summer camp that has a large cemetery <laughs> right in the middle of it. That might be not a good idea. Uh, anyway, on this 4x6 grid, the game grid does wrap around. So if you go four screens to the right, you wrap around to the first screen again. It's, it's four wide, I believe, and, and six tall. There are three houses or buildings, structures, whatever you want to call them. There's a church a barn and a house. Uh, the church and the barn are four rooms. They're on a two by two. And then the house is, uh, either three by three or, or maybe three by four. I don't remember if it has nine rooms or 12 rooms, but, uh, uh, so you'll have to go in there too. Now there are several musical songs, uh, in this game. Uh, you'll recognize some of them. The, the one that always starts is called, uh, sleepers awake. That's the one that, uh, uh, always when the game starts, you'll hear that one, which is by, uh, Bach. Um, there is a Midsummer's Night Dream, uh, Wedding March you will hear. There is, um, several other ones, a Teddy Bear's Picnic, which I mentioned. And, uh, when you go to the barn, you'll hear, Oh, McDonald had a farm. <laughs> 
So these songs, when you go to those locations, uh, those songs kick off. When you leave those locations, it kicks back to uh, that main tune, which is uh, Sleepers Awake, A Voice is Calling, is the full title. So uh, there are two tasks that you can um, – I don't know if that's the right way to say this. There are basically two things you're supposed to be doing. And the first one, which was described uh, in the instructions and is supposed to be the main part of the game, is this whole thing about finding the cross and creating a sanctuary uh, area. You'll find the sanctuary cross in one of the three buildings. So you need to search the house, uh, the church, or the barn. And once you find it, you move it to a room. You can move it to any room. doesn't matter. Uh, And then you walk around and you touch the other characters. And when you touch them, they will stop whatever they're now, by the way, the other characters are completely random and they just wander around not going anywhere in particular. So when you walk over them and touch them, uh, it sends them to wherever you put the sanctuary across. So they will go there. And once they go there, they are just frozen. They, they get paralyzed, um, which I don't, nobody understands, but, but that's what happens. So the people go there, uh, the campers go there, and so one by one you can send all the people there. But the problem is they won't stay there. They'll go there and stand for a while, and then eventually they just go, eh, and then they wander off. So you can keep sending them back there. Um, now, if you accidentally run across Jason disguised as a, as a uh, camper, he will go there and scare everybody away, and then you have to re-round him up. But here's the thing about this. There's no point to doing this. There's absolutely no point of the game, uh, why you would want to do this. I mean, it doesn't help you do anything. It's just a stupid (laughs) thing to keep sending people here over and over. And I, I think you get some sort of bonus by having them there. Maybe how many people are there when you kill Jason? I don't know. It doesn't explain any of that. Um, it's just a really weird thing. So you don't have to do that at all. You don't have to worry about that part of the game at all. The real goal on each level is killing Jason. Now, as the instruction said, Jason always attacks whoever has the highest scare meter. Well, first of all, you don't know what anyone else's scare meter is. So that doesn't help you. And second of all, I don't think that's true. I think he just attacks random people. So maybe maybe he attacks people at the highest scare meter, but there's no way to affect anyone's scare meter. And So I don't know. Uh, So Jason's just going to be wandering around. Now, like I said, he can either appear in his uh, his black kung fu sleeveless uh, outfit that he wears, or he might be disguised as one of the, the uh, other campers. There's a glitch in this game. And by the way, I shouldn't say singular. There are 18 million glitches <laughs> in this game. But one of the glitches is if the people, the camper goes by and you hit them with a weapon, their graphics, uh, if it's just a normal camper, they'll they'll fall over for a minute. They'll go, whoa, because you just, you know, walked up to one of your friends and hit him with an axe. But if it's Jason, the graphics will glitch for a second and you will see Jason's graphics. So then you know that it's Jason. And so all you have to do is kill that person and you win the round and you move to the next round. Now, there are multiple weapons uh, that you will find scattered around. There are some that you can throw there is like a little, small, tiny fork. <laughs> if, I don't know why you can throw forks. And there are hammers and hatchets uh, and even a, a spear. You can throw this spear. Um, and then uh, there's the hand-to-hand uh, weapons, which you don't throw. You have to be near somebody. There's a small knife, which you have to be pretty close to somebody to use. There is a trident, uh, or it could be a pitchfork. It's probably a pitchfork since it's on a farm. Uh, there's an axe, which is uh, my favorite weapon. Then there's a chainsaw, which really works just like, you know, any other weapon. I mean, you can't like hold the button down. It doesn't run the chainsaw. You just kind of, it's like you're whacking somebody with a chainsaw that's not running. Uh, and then there's the infamous white line. I looked at several reviews. I I read someone call it a sword. I saw someone refer to it as the stick. Someone called it a staff a bow, and someone said it's supposed to be a machete. So I don't know what it is, but really it's just a white stick. Um, so any of those things that you can find, uh, and you will find them, it's not hard to find weapons. You may not find uh, the weapon that you're looking for, but you can always find a weapon uh, laying around somewhere in Camp Crystal Lake. Again, 
do not send your children <laughs> to a summer camp where they leave chainsaws and axes just laying around on the ground. So the way to play this game, the easiest way to play this game is to grab a weapon. I like the axe. Sometimes I like the stick. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the chainsaw. And uh, go wander around and just randomly hit the campers. And eventually one of them will glitch and turn into Jason. And then you just kill that person and you win the round. Yeah, you, you don't do anything. I don't do anything with the Sanctuary Cross. Uh, it's just a waste of time, in my, my opinion. Um, you you can, like I said, you can send people there. Um, but uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be uh, – there's no payoff for doing that. Now, also on the screen, uh, you have a bunch of meters. There is a, a fright meter, which uh, is a, a picture of a blonde girl, and as she gets more and more scared, she has uh, pigtails, and they, they tend to they like rise up like she's being scared. And uh, as more people get killed and as you see dead bodies and things like that, uh, your fright meter will go up. And if it goes all the way up, then you have been frightened to death, and the game will be over. Uh, that has never happened to me. And the whole time I've ever been playing this game, I've never been frightened to death. It just moves so slow. Um, I mean, I think if you try to intentionally do it, I'm not sure you could do it. Uh, then there's a health meter, which is uh, like a dumbbell that moves down. So each time you get hit or whatever, it moves down and shows that you've been hurt. I'm not sure why they chose a dumbbell. I mean, I it's not really a Friday the 13th theme, but whatever. Uh, then there's the time meter, which is uh, the hockey mask, Jason's mask, and it slowly fills in one line at a time as time goes on. Again, I've never actually run out of time. Uh, the grid is so small as you walk through uh, that it's pretty easy to find everybody pretty quickly. Uh, and then, like I said, you have the little roster of campers down there. So as they get killed, uh, they turn into little tombstones, and you can always tell how many people are left. Now, one of the great things about this game uh, is what I call the little digital scares. One is the scream that I mentioned, but the other one is uh, sometimes when you walk into a room and you discover a dead body for the first time, it will flash uh, a picture up on the screen, one of two pictures. One of them is of a uh, guy, I think it's a decapitated head actually, and he has a machete stuck on the top of his head. Uh, or sometimes it shows a picture of a screen of skulls, and those are great. I mean, it will flash that, and it will scream, uh, you know, this digital scream. And, and if you did, if you were playing in the dark um, and you had the sound turned up, then that, that will um, probably get you to jump at least the first time or two that happens. So let's talk about the bugs in this game. Well, first of all, as I just mentioned, uh, the biggest one is uh, that when you hit the camper that's disguised uh, as Jason or Jason is disguised as a camper – it, the graphics glitch and it shows you it's Jason. And so that ruins any secret part about who Jason is. So it's very, very easy to, to exploit that uh, and beat the rounds very quickly. Uh, also, you can revive dead people <laughs> by hitting them with weapons, which is not something uh, that you would think is possible. Uh, but uh, like I said, I love carrying around the axe. And so when you find someone that's been killed, all you have to do is stand next to them and hit them with the axe over and over. Now, each time you hit them with the axe, they, it shows the graphic of, oh, they've just been wounded. Uh, so they will pop up from the ground and then fall back down dead. But uh, I guess there's some sort of random number generator or something, something going on that's not quite right. Because sometimes when you hit them, they will stand up and just start walking around and you can revive them uh, back to life. So in theory, uh, if you were trying to get the most people alive to beat the each level, you could go around reviving people this way. Now, they do come back with basically only one hit point, I guess you could say. So if anything else hits them, uh, then they will get killed again, but, uh, and it's something fun to do. Uh, there are lots of little graphical glitches, um, uh, and especially with people and things appearing and disappearing. And of course, uh, uh, as much as I love and, and defend the Commodore that it can only display so many sprites at a time. So, uh, you can get some flickering or people disappearing. If you get too many people in one location, uh, sometimes you'll be following somebody and, and they wrap around the screen. You go to the next screen and then they're just gone. So that, there's definitely some weird things going on here. So uh, trivia associated with this game. Well, I did mention the uh, two blood capsules that came with it. Also, uh, there was, as I mentioned, a horror sound competition. There were 10 sounds 
included at the end of the cassette tape. And I will add a link to a YouTube video that has those sounds on them. So you have to go to the show notes if you want to hear those. But uh, people could uh, – there was a, a multiple list, multiple choice list of the 10 different things. And you had to match them up with the order and mail them in. And the first five people that did that won a monitor. So – Let's talk about uh, some of the reviews and the ratings that Friday the 13th got in magazines. Computer and Video Game Magazine gave it 7 out of 10. See? That's pretty good rating. People love this game. Commodore Force gave it 9%. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Commodore User gave it 1 out of 5. And that was in uh, Commodore User January 86. I went and found a digital copy of this and read it. And it it said... um, they didn't like the graphics. They didn't like the playability. They didn't like anything about it. Uh, and they, they only gave the music like two out of five or something. Um, so everybody hated this game, except for there's a uh, Euro Commodore magazine, which gave it seven out of ten. And I read this review because I thought, why does one magazine give it seven out of ten and the other one give it one out of five? And, and basically they said that um, they didn't know how much replayability, which is true that this game would have, but, uh, they liked that it was tied in with the horror movie and they liked the, they liked the violence, (laughs) then the screams and all that. And then it mentioned, uh, that they thought that, uh, it was worth the value and it listed the price, which was eight, uh, eight pounds or 8.95 pounds. Um, I'm not sure how to say that, but basically in the U S that's $10. So this is a $10 game. People are giving this one out of five for a $10 game where you get to hit people with an ax. That's ridiculous. I think people were expecting way too much out of a Friday the 13th game. Uh, and then there was zap magazine who in 1986 gave it 13%, but then they revisited it in 92 and said it hadn't aged well and dropped their rating to 8%. <laughs> so they, Zap is not a fan. I'm a fan of this game. We'll, I'll talk about that. But uh, there were some ports. Uh, this version by Domark also appeared on the Amstrad CPC and the ZX Spectrum. The According to... Uh, I believe this is from Wikipedia. It said Amstrad CPC has the best graphics and sound. That's debatable. I looked at it on YouTube, and I didn't think it was that much better uh, than the Commodore version. It says Commodore has weaker graphics and sound. I don't mm, don't know. It's probably just which one you prefer. Uh, And then the ZX Spectrum, I think we can all agree, has the worst graphics and no sound. (laughs) And I watched it. It's in like four colors or something, and it it looked really, really bad. Uh, Like I said before, this is unrelated to the uh, NES version, and the NES version uh, shows up in many lists as one of the worst Nintendo games of all time. Uh, There are a lot of Commodore people that don't like this game. Uh, but there are a lot of people like me, uh, now I should, I guess as a disclaimer, I would say I like bad movies. I like B movies. I like bad horror movies. Uh, and so I love this game, but it's kind of like a B, B game, you know, like a B movie game. I mean, it's so bad that it's good. It's so bad that it's great. I love this game. I play this game all the time. Anytime I fire up, like when I'm testing a Commodore or something, eventually I will fire up this game and play a few rounds. Now, there were some guys that took Friday the 13th, this buggy, uh, riddled with problems game, uh, known as Flandertainment Productions, And they tweaked it, and they made a new game out of Friday the 13th, and I guess they didn't want to call it uh, Saturday the 14th because of the movie franchise that was called Saturday the 14th. So it's called Sunday the 15th. Um, It was also known as Friday the 13th Extended Director's Cut Drowning and Maximum Bloodshed Edition. It was released in 2009, uh, and like I said, it was called Sunday the 15th, and so... Uh, it says the gameplay remains basically the same, uh, yada, yada. And then it says, here are the changes. There are a lot of changes. So I'm going to run through these real fast, but this is for Saturday the 15th. The time limit is much shorter. Attacking harmless campers results in a peppered time penalty and increasing panic. The time penalty for attacking the innocent is increased with each round. Other new modified old panic triggers 
Every time somebody screams, the death scream, the panic level will rise. Finding bodies also increases your panic level, and those random splatter picks will increase it even more. Uh, high panic levels can lead to temporary loss of control over the player character. Extreme panic level will resort will result, excuse me, in an instant heart failure, <laughs> so you could just die of a heart attack. Um, while you're carrying, oh, this is healthy prayers mode, while you're carrying the cross, your panic level will slowly drop. Every sixth round is a bonus round, all you can kill in three minutes. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Jason's initial strength is generally increased and will rise further in each round. Uh, I'm not going to read, there's so many of these, um, and I will, uh, I'll put a link to these in the show notes. Um, but, uh, uh, let's see, they are numbered. Well, they're not numbered. They're by letter and there are actually 26 things, uh, listed on here. So they really went through and, and it's almost like a brand new game. They took all the graphics glitches out. Um, they took, um, uh, one of the things is each of the 10 campers starts in the same room every time. So once you've played this long enough, and you see a camper that's kind of out of place, you know that's probably Jason because he's in the wrong place. Um, so um, one of the things they did was randomize where the different campers start. Uh, another thing is the weapons that you can throw, you can throw forever. And so in, in this new version, once you throw them, they disappear, which makes sense. Also, there was a glitch um, in the original where you could throw an item, like throw a throwing knife, and then drop it after you've thrown it. And then it would mess up like the hit counter. So you could kill people like with one throw and stuff like that. Uh, and so they, they, um, fixed that. And there's all different kinds of things, uh, uh, that they fixed. And, and, uh, in fact, they, they, as the higher levels on this Sunday, the 15th release, they took out, um, as many of the, the weapons. There's not as many weapons. Um, also here's a list of fixed bugs, uh, that they've done in Sunday the 15th. Uh, random uh, ghost sprite appearances of weapons and cross that shouldn't be shown have been fixed. Uh, dropping a throwable weapon. There, there you go. While it is flying, that's been fixed. Um, let's see. Dead campers can no longer be reanimated by hitting them repeatedly. That's a good idea. <laughs> uh, and like, like I said, so on and so forth. Uh, oh, and this is another thing that they fixed. Um, on that, that first title screen where it comes up, it shows the five campers that you could be. And they, and then whenever you become those campers, they don't look anything like those. Like the first guy, Jerry, uh, is a uh, middle-aged guy with red hair, uh, and, uh, and he's wearing a shirt. And then when it goes to the, the person that you play, it's a character with blonde hair and, and a blue shirt. So they change the colors to match that. Um, uh, so that, that's kind of interesting. Gosh, so they changed an awful lot of that. Um, and anyway, I, I like playing the original, uh, but if you want to play a version that's been basically a, a completely new version with uh, all these bug fixes and new additions, whatever, then then you can check that one out too. This is uh, going on. Let's get on to personal memories. All right, time travelers, seatbelts fastened. Yes, the doorway to the past. <laughs> Well, as I mentioned, I used to play this game when I was a kid over at my friend Jeff's house. Uh, horror movies at that time were kind of a rite of passage. Uh, I met Jeff in seventh grade, so I was uh, 12 years old, I think. And, and his house, I know for a fact, is the first place I ever saw Friday the 13th movie. And he had the Friday the 13th game uh, on his Commodore as well. So we would play it and we would definitely, um, do the things that were suggested on the back of the manual. We would turn the lights off and we, we even, uh, to make it scary. One time we, we sat real close next to his computer. We took a blanket and put it over our heads and over the monitor. So it was just us and this little tiny thing, you know, and, and then we would turn the volume up real loud. And, and when those, uh, pictures would, would appear, you know, the scary pictures on the digitized screen, we would, yell and and um you know sometimes we'd be really scared and sometimes we would just act like we were scared but um but jeff was always my uh my commodore buddy and he was my horror movie buddy and so this game was um definitely right up the alley for us we spent a lot of time uh probably much more time than this title deserves uh playing this game and uh, we both really enjoyed it 
couple of graphics. I give Friday the 13th three out of five bloody hatchets. Uh, the graphics are good, not great. Same thing for music. I give it three out of five bloody hatchets. Uh, it has several songs included, but if you play this for more than five or ten minutes, you will hear them to the point where it will make you really want to stab somebody. Uh, for sound effects, I guess I'll give it three out of five bloody hatchets. There really are no sound effects in this game. Uh, there was a sound effect of walking footsteps, but it's been disabled in the Commodore 64 version. Uh, so really all you have is music, but you have those great digitized screams, uh, and those right there are worth the cost of admission. They're, they're such a, a jarring experience. Um, overall gameplay, I'm going to give you two reviews. If you like great games, if you like flawless games, if you like um, really clean and polished games, then I'll give you one out of five bloody hatchets. But if you're like me and you like B-movies, you like terrible things that are so bad that they're great, then I'm going to give it five out of five bloody hatchets. If you like those type of games, uh, and even if you don't, I'd really like you to try this game sometime on Commodore 64. Thanks again for tuning in to Sprite Castle. The next game I will be covering is 1985's Mail Order Monsters by Epics. If you'd like to play Mail Order Monsters before the next show is released, head on over to SpriteCastle.com and click on the Downloads link at the top of the page where you can download Commodore 64 emulators and all the games that have been reviewed on the show. If you'd like to send me feedback about this or any episode of Sprite Castle, you can email me at RobOhara at RobOhara.com, contact me on Twitter at Commodork, Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Sprite Castle or leave me a voicemail on the FLAC podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the SpriteCastle.com RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. To hear more podcasts from me, check out You Don't Know FLAC, Throwback Reviews, and the No Quarter Podcast. You can find links to all these shows at robohair.com forward slash podcasts. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore is Awesome, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. For links to these and more websites, check out the list of links on the right-hand side of SpriteCastle.com. Thanks again for listening. Now get back to axing your friends, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle.